My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in Israel, and I'm standing in the middle of the Herodian. You say, what is the Herodian? This was the burial place of Herod the Great. Actually, it was built between the years 23 and 10 BC as a residence. There was a village here. There was a city, very beautiful, very highly decorated. And Herod chose this as the place where he eventually would be buried. Herod was always known as Herod the Great. Everything he did was colossal, monumental. And in fact, most of the structures he built are still standing today. For example, Masada. Masada is massive. Who would have ever tried to undertake such a project except Herod the Great? Or how about the Temple Mount? During Herod's time, he decided to expand the Temple Mount, to broaden it, to make it bigger, and he really made it great in size. It's about 12 soccer fields. Can you imagine that? Everything Herod did was colossal. So even during his life, he was known as Herod the Great. And at this time of the year, we usually think of Herod because of Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, which says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. That's the same Herod who built this structure, which is called the Herodian. Herod was really a tyrant. Herod killed his own sons. He killed one of his wives. And Herod was all the time worried about people who claimed to be a messiah or people who claimed to be a king. In fact, that's why he killed three of his sons. He was afraid they would become rivals to his authority, so he killed them mercilessly. And Herod began killing people. All of Jerusalem got upset because there was always a lot of bloodshed due to Herod's paranoia. And that's what the Bible refers to in verse 3. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Jerusalem was troubled because they knew that when Herod heard there was a Messiah or there was a rival king, he was going to start killing people. That is the same Herod that built this place, which is called the Herodian. Today I want to talk to you about the birth of Jesus and the events concerning his birth. It's going to be wonderful. Stay with me. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program. I'm so excited today because today we're going to see who was Herod the Great. This is a big part of the Christmas story. By the way, Joel, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Haven't we had a good time? A blast. It's really been fun. And today is going to be a lot of fun. You're going to hear something today you wouldn't typically hear about the Christmas story, but you have to know who is Herod the Great because Herod the Great is a big part of the Christmas story and we read about him in Matthew chapter 2. We'll be back there in just a moment. But if you need prayer, we're here for you. We would love to put our faith together with you. My friend, we have a team that is specially trained to know how to pray with you for nearly any need that you have. And if you need somebody to pray with you, we are here. Maybe you don't know who to ask to pray with you. Ask us. We'll pray with you. We are really people of prayer, and we would love to put our faith together with you. Just call us or send us an email, and we'll immediately begin to pray. And remember that right now we're offering you the series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. This has been so much fun, diving into these verses about Christmas. There is so much of the story 
that people don't know. You need to know the whole story. And that's why I've prepared this series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. It's 15 parts, comes in multiple formats with a study guide that is amazing. You can take this study guide, open it, go through it with your children or your grandchildren. You can tell them so many details of the Christmas story that will just make it come alive for them. That's what we did when you were growing up, Joel. And we still do it with your grandkids, with my family, with Paul's family, Philip's family. It is truly a joy. You know, it's kind of hard for us in our family to know when to celebrate Christmas because our dates are a little messed up. But I'll come back to that in just a moment. We're also offering you my two books called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. I know these look like really hefty books, and they are spiritually hefty. They're very strong, but they're so practical and easy to understand, but they will put spiritual meat on your bones. I teach not just verse by verse, word by word from the New Testament. We exegete Greek words, pull them out, expand them, help you to understand what they mean in verses all over the New Testament to make you understand the Bible better. This is a devotional that you read day by day. There's a thousand word studies in this one, a thousand in this one, but it's a daily devotional. You just read a little bit every day, and by the end of the year, you'll get through each one of these, and wow, you will really feel like you've achieved something. You can start with number one or number two or buy both. Be a great gift for you to buy for somebody in this season of the year, especially as they're getting ready to start the new year. And for those who become partners with our ministry, that is you become a financial partner, you help us to take this program to other people. You know, I say that cars are nice. Cars' interiors are nice. The machinery works well. But a car doesn't go anywhere unless it has gas. Well, we're the car. We have the machinery. We have the teaching. We have it all. But we have to have gas in the tank to take this message to people. And when you financially give to us, you're putting gas in the tank to help us pay for TV bills, to pay for production. The message is free, but taking it to people is not free. And we need your help. And if this has been a blessing to you, I'm asking you to pray about becoming a partner with our ministry. But I want to go back just for a moment to what I was saying about calendars. You know, there's the Western calendar. There's the Russian calendar. There's quite a difference in these calendars. Russia, religiously, is on the old Julian calendar. Well, the rest of the world is on the Gregorian calendar. That means that our religious calendar in Russia is two weeks later than the West's. So while you in the West are celebrating Christmas, for us it's just a work day. Everyone's at work. Everyone's working. The rest of the world is celebrating, but we're just working. December 25th is not a religious day. Christmas for us falls on January 7th. January 7th. However, just so you understand that our world's a little different than yours, Christmas was officially canceled during the communist regime in 1926. 1926 was the last year that a Christmas tree was erected in the Kremlin. After that, Christmas became illegal because it was religious, it was related to God, and the Soviet Union was ruled by atheism. So God was not allowed, so Christmas became illegal in 1926. I remember when we first began our ministry here, I was talking to some of our staff about upcoming Christmas, and we had two staff members who said, what is Christmas? They had grown up in the Soviet Union. They had never even heard of it because it was an illegal holiday. So when Christmas was outlawed, the Soviet Union created alternatives. For example, they had trees, but they didn't have Christmas trees. They had New Year's trees. New Year's trees. They had what looked like 
Santa Claus, but it was not Santa Claus, it was Father Frost. And I'm going to show you an example. This is Father Frost. Now I'm going to pick him up. He's very heavy. Looks like Santa Claus, doesn't he? He is not Santa Claus. This is Father Frost. And he is a sorcerer. Isn't that right, Joel? That is right. He's a sorcerer. And you see these kids all looking up at Father Frost. And this is a magic wand. And when he stomps the ground with his magic wand, that's when all the lights come on the New Year's tree. Or when he puts his wand on the ground, that's when the snow begins to fall. Or if he points his wand at anything, anything that he points at freezes. It is a sorcerer. And you know, we lived here for years before it really dawned on me we were dealing with witchcraft. I didn't get it until I went to one of the New Year's presentations at public school for one of our grandchildren. And when I sat there, I thought, my goodness, after living here all these years, I finally get it. Diet Moroz, Father Frost, is a sorcerer. That's what he is. Mm -hmm. And whereas Santa Claus has Mrs. Claus, he has a granddaughter who also is involved in witchcraft. You know, when you remove God, it doesn't remove your hunger for supernatural things. And when they made God out illegal, when the Soviet Union came about, people were still hungry for spiritual things. So when they didn't have Christmas, they began to create alternatives for spiritual realities. I'll give you another example. Extrasensories, ESP, fortune tellers, they became very popular during the days of the Soviet Union. When we first moved our family to the Soviet Union, every single morning, a national fortune teller, ESP, in Russian you call it, extrasensory, he came on TV every morning and spoke to the entire nation, and people watched it, almost like people in America would have listened to Billy Graham. They listened to this fortune teller, they believed what he said, he spoke things over the nation, over families, people were so hungry for something spiritually, which is why when we began to preach the gospel, and others began to preach the gospel in the early 90s, people just believed they were so hungry for a real spiritual reality. But where people don't, can't find their reality in the Lord, they look for it in other places. And so in the Soviet Union, they had a New Year's tree, not a Christmas tree. They had Father Frost, who was a sorcerer, instead of Santa Claus. But today, praise God, we preach the gospel. Absolutely. And every Christmas season, we have services in our church packed with people, where people bring their grandchildren and they can send service and see a spectacle, the Christmas story told. And people are still waking up to the idea of the Christmas story. For instance, for example, just a couple years ago, just a couple years ago, we had a big Christmas presentation in our church. And when it was over, I was standing outside shaking hands and a man about my age left. Now here we'd had a whole presentation of the nativity of Jesus, the wise men, the whole story. And as this gentleman left, he stopped and met me on the staircase and he said, can you please tell me what fairy tale that was? I, I've never heard that fairy tale before. It was the first time that man had ever heard the story of Jesus Christ. And praise God, we are here positioned by God to share the good news. And when you're a partner with our ministry, you're empowering us to bring the light to people who have sat in darkness. And I want to say thank you. Amen. Absolutely.
Amen. But today, let's return to our Bibles. You got your Bible? Have it right here. Let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 51, pick up where we left off in the last program. And Luke chapter 2, verse 51, the Bible says, speaking of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. A lot of things happened in Luke chapter 2, but wait, 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 there's a problem in Luke chapter 2. Some things are missing. Herod's not in Luke chapter 2. If all you do is read Luke chapter 2, there's no mention of wise men. There's no mention of a star. There's no mention of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's no mention of the killing of the babies in Bethlehem. None of that is in Luke chapter 2. Why is it not in Luke chapter 2? Because none of that happened in Bethlehem. Now, I understand I'm destroying a lot of religious tradition when I say that. But when you chronologically put the story together, you find out the wise men showed up nearly two years later. And they did not come to Bethlehem. They came to Nazareth. Now, the problem is we've based a lot of our beliefs on songs and on Christmas cards. On the Christmas cards... You see the stable, there's Mary and Joseph and Jesus and the angels and the animals and the wise men and the all shepherds. They're all there on the front of the Christmas card. So we think they all showed up at the same place, but they did not. The wise men showed up two years later. But let's continue today because today I want us to look at Herod. Yes. What do we know about Herod? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Herod is mentioned 12 times in 12 verses. Herod is very central to this story. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, there he is. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. Verse 3. When Herod the king, there he is again, had heard these things, he, there it is, was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4. And when he, there he is, had gathered all the chief priests of the people together, he, there he is again, demanded of them where Christ should be born. Chapter 2, verse 5. And they said unto him, there he is mentioned again, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Verse 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, there he is mentioned again, when he, there he is again, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Verse 8. And he, there he is again, sent them, the wise men, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9. And when they had heard the king, King Herod, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the place where the young child was. And verse 10 says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, there he is again, they departed unto their own country another way. Herod is mentioned over and over and over. Who is Herod the Great? Well, first of all, he was so great that even in his own lifetime, he was called Herod 
the great. People referred to him as the great even when they were speaking to him directly. He was Herod the Great even during his own life. He was a very complex, complicated man, paranoid that someone was going to take his throne from him. But very quickly, let me tell you about Herod the Great. Herod was born in 72 BC before Christ. Through a series of events, he became the king of Judah. I'm not going to get into all of that. It's very complicated. But through a series of events, he became the king of Judah. He was a very wise politician. He knew how to negotiate with Rome in order to keep his throne and how to make his people happy. He was a very dear friend of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. And in fact, some allege that he had a romantic involvement with Cleopatra, which should not surprise us because Cleopatra slept around with a lot of political people. She was trying to make friends with all of her neighbors, and she slept with them in order to make friends with them. But she fell in love with Mark Antony, and Herod was such a dear friend of Mark Antony that when he constructed a fortress near the Temple Mount, he called it the Tower of Antonia, named after Mark Antony, the same Mark Antony that was killed by Octavian and Cleopatra who committed suicide. We know that Herod died in 4 BC. That's very different than what most people think. If he died in 4 BC, then Jesus was born at least two years before that. So Jesus wasn't born in the year 1, Jesus was probably born in the year 6 B.C., maybe even 7 B.C. This was very important. How did Herod die? Well, Herod died a miserable death. The Bible tells us he was eaten by worms. Terrible. And Josephus, the greatest Jewish historian that ever lived, wrote that he died because of sexual disease, that he contracted because of multiple sexual affairs. He was philandering all the time, sleeping with everybody you can imagine, and he contracted all kinds of sexual diseases. And Josephus describes his death. It is so disgusting that if I read it to you on the air, it would nearly make you sick to hear it. It is just disgusting. He was eaten by worms because of his sin. He died a dreadful, dreadful death. This powerful man, such a wise politician, a manipulator, A man who knew how to control his people and control nations around him, but he could not control his own sexual instincts. And in the end, it killed him. Isn't that amazing? Wow. It is amazing. When Herod became king, listen to this, one of his first acts was to slaughter the entire Sanhedrin in the city of Jerusalem. He slaughtered them. Then he removed the high priest And he chose his own Sanhedrin and installed his own high priest, which means when you come to the time of Herod the Great and forward, all the way to the time of Jesus, the Sanhedrin was not the legitimate Sanhedrin, and the high priest was not the legitimate high priest. The Sanhedrin had been murdered and replaced by Herod the Great, and the Sanhedrin was his own man, which means the Sanhedrin and the high priest were pawns in the hands of Herod, or they were his religious mafia in the city of Jerusalem. This is all amazing to me. Herod was extremely prosperous. He was very rich. His rule was known as a time of fear, suspicion, and slaughter. He was afraid someone would take his throne. And every time he heard that there was allegedly a new king or that a Messiah had been born, he started killing people. 
it really upset the whole city of Jerusalem because every time there was news of a new Messiah or a new king, they knew bloodshed was going to begin in the city of Jerusalem. He was so stricken with paranoia that someone would take his throne. He killed his own brother-in-law, whom he believed wanted his throne. He killed one of his wives because he heard she wanted his throne. He killed his three elder sons because he heard there was a conspiracy being formed by them to take his throne. He was killing people all the time. He was also known as a builder, Herod the Great. And as Herod the Great, he built theaters, he built amphitheaters, he built hippodromes, he built the Herodium, he built Masada, he built the temple walls, he expanded the temple mount, he built the last temple he literally was Herod the Great when it came to construction. In fact, many of the sites which people go to Israel to see today, they are the sites that remain from Herod the Great. These are his great construction projects. He was great in every way. And he was a terrorizer. He was so afraid that no one would cry when he died that he concocted a plan when he knew that he was approaching death. He knew no one would cry because... He had been such a ruthless dictator. So he said, here's what I want you to do. When you hear that I'm on my deathbed and I'm dying, gather all the Jewish princes of Israel, bring them into the Hippodrome, gather them all together against their will. If you have to drag them there, drag them there, arrest them, bring them into the Hippodrome. And when news is announced that I'm died, kill all the Jewish princes, slaughter them. If you slaughter them, their families will cry, all of Israel will cry, and that way on the day I die, there will be crying. He knew no one would cry because he died, so he went to create an event that would make the nation cry on the day that he died. Isn't that amazing? Wow. This was quite a character. Quite the character. But when it was announced that he died, they released all the Jewish princes, and instead of crying, there was great rejoicing and great laughter on the day that Herod died. Wow. That is who is Herod the Great that we read about in Matthew chapter 2. Just a little history today. But when we come back tomorrow, we're going to see who are the Magi that come to the city of Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 2. Who are the wise men? And by the way, how many of them were there really? It's going to be powerful. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment, and we're going to pray for you. Everyone thinks they know the Christmas story, but what you don't know are the fascinating details that only God could have orchestrated. In Rick Renner's 15-part series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the shocking and surprising events that occurred at the time of Jesus' birth. In this series, you'll discover the amazing details that are often overlooked, topics like exactly who Joseph was and why it mattered, what was the star that guided the wise men and the significance of the gifts the wise men brought to the Christ child? Available in digital or physical format starting at just $24. You'll have a deeper understanding of the meaning and importance of Christmas, the rest of the story. When you call or go online today, you can also get sparkling gems from the Greek volumes 1 and 2. So many Christians live their entire lives skimming the surface of the Word of God. Most never discover the profound truth treasures that lie deep within the text. In Sparkling Gems from the Greek, 
Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate, uncompromising life with God. In an easy-to-read devotional format, each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies, revealing a profound wisdom and counsel from the Bible. Get one or both of these valuable resources today. Sparkling Gems 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer, Christmas, the rest of the story, and the companion book Sparkling Gems 1 and 2. Call now or go to renner.org to order. My name is Joel Renner, coming to you from Moscow, Russia. And I want to say thank you to all of our ministry partners. It's because of your support, we can reach out to people during the Christmas season. Every Christmas, we put on a program for the people in the community surrounding our church. And it is amazing to me that we always encounter those who think Jesus' birth was a fairy tale. But that doesn't matter because they need to hear the truth regardless of what they think. Every year through this Christmas outreach, people hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And many people's lives are changed. The Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you know the truth, it will set you free. So it is our duty as Christians to share the truth about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the truth will change people's lives. It's always amazing to me to see how many children come to our church during the Christmas season when their parents, many of them, don't believe in God. But I want to tell you that children need to hear about Jesus Christ and they'll take the good news to their families. It takes money to share the gospel to the ends of the earth and to our nearby world as well. What we do in our community and throughout the city of Moscow and in the former Soviet Union is all possible because of the support of our generous partners, people like you. If you're not already a partner, will you consider joining us as partners today? When you do, your help allows us to reach more souls, quality Bible teaching from God's Word. We simply can't do this without people just like you joining the team in this work financially. With your help together, we can take the gospel of Christ both to our nearby world and to the ends of the earth. That's the vision of Renner Ministries. We all have a part to play, and right now you can help us help others by becoming one of our partners today. Your gift of any size will support this essential and urgent work of getting the gospel to people this Christmas season and beyond. Please call or go online to renner.org. To your generous support, we can continue to make a huge difference in people's lives around the world. Thank you for being with me today as we've studied about Herod the Great. Joel, have you enjoyed this? Wow, it's been a lot of fun. Was he a character? Very much a character. And that is who was ruling Israel when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And tomorrow, we're going to come back and see who are the Magi. Don't miss tomorrow's program. Your eyes are going to be open to something you've never seen, possibly you've never heard before. But right now, we're offering you my series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. I love this series. It's 15 parts. It comes in multiple formats with a study guide that is just loaded. You'll love this. And we're offering you both of my books, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one and number two, a daily devotional to walk you into a revival of the Bible in your own life. You'll love these because it just breaks down the Bible and makes it so simple for you to understand. It'd be a great gift for you to buy for somebody at this season of the year because we're getting ready for the new year. That's a good time to begin using a daily devotional. And I remind you that for those who want to become a partner with our ministry, that is you decide that you're going to financially support us so we can begin to take this teaching to other people. We want to send you a gift. We always send it to new partners. The book is called Life in the Combat Zone and my book, Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness. These are so good. 
that Joel and I want to pray with you. And thank you again for being with us today. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you have called us and you have anointed us. And Father, I declare peace. I declare blessing over every one of our TV family members that this Christmas season will be the best they've ever had. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us. And remember Ecclesiastes 8.4. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Let God's word work in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity.